We should try and do a football theme, I guess, shouldn't we? Is there any birds that are migrating and coming home? <laughs> what have we got lions on our shirt as English people? What would be more sort of uh, exciting is if it was at least something like, even if they're not in this country right now, a wolf or a lynx. Or a badger. Or Three or... badgers on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> a mole. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it as three lines, does it? No, it doesn't. Let's grow mm. our own. Let's grow, grow our, our own. own. Let's grow it. <laughs> Time to grow our own. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> As ever, we'll start with what's happened since the last podcast, because we reached 500 downloads, didn't we? We did. Amazing. Mm. Just unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I had to buy 500 devices to do so. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. Uh, last time we discussed the summer solstice. How did you get on, Rob, on summer solstice? You made a seasonal meal, didn't you? We did, yeah. So, um, yeah, went down to the shop, bought some seasonal veg and did a risotto. So I did, I think there was broccoli, broad beans, fresh peas and asparagus in it. And it was lovely. Mm, really nice. Well done. And then we had some strawberries. Um, we haven't eaten mess. So we did eat mess for dessert, which mm. was really nice. So, nice. yeah, all very yummy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And we got up to welcome in the day's sunrise didn't mm-hmm. we John yep with four Rach start. yeah dragged her out of bed at four o'clock and we saw some stunning clouds <laughs> <laughs> yes you can't always guarantee the weather in this country uh, you know it's just one of those things but you know we are about nature and uh, we are you know one of the points that we were making is that sort of like nature has to plod on through 24-7 whether it's uh, wind, rain or shine. And so, yes, but it was good to make the effort. It was good to get up there. It was good to hear the dawn breaking, the bird song. And, uh, you saw a deer? Yes, saw the deer, sort of. They, they seem to be very much less afraid of activity at that time of day. They're just looking, thinking, that's too early for a human. Oh, my God, it is. Let's go. Uh, but that was nice. And then in the evening, I did a nice uh, little hike up to Gibbet Hill and usually on that sort of hike which was with my explorer scouts i'd get a lift back but i thought on this occasion i'd really see the solstice through to the bitter end and so i walked back and so as i was just coming back through the village at about half 10 and it was getting much darker then although as i've often pointed out it never really gets dark but i could hear a wren and a robin and such like just calling and i was thinking well that's their day all the time at the moment you know they haven't done that especially for midsummer that that is the length of their day and they're probably thinking oh thank goodness the days are shortening a bit i'm absolutely exhausted mm. <laughs> yeah it was nice we had our hot chocolate on the stove 
Yep. And our seasonal pan au chocolat. I think um, that's really important to add. Always only in season. because if you're going to do any of these things, in nature or otherwise, you've got to try and make it enjoyable. You know, it mm. shouldn't be a hardship. Rob, after episode one, our extremely profitable podcast led you to get a new car, as was well documented. Yeah, which I've driven here for the first time. Yeah. Just about. Episode two, again, just to demonstrate the absurdity of the wealth we're accruing from this show. What have you done? I've got engaged. You've got engaged? I've got engaged. (laughs) I have a fiancé. Yeah. She's smiling at me now. She's been waiting for that the whole time. Yeah. Do you think the pod influenced her response to the proposal? (laughs) Well, her response was nothing how I thought it would be. No? I think the response was... um, she grew into it. She grew into the excitement, I think. I think she came uh, round to the yeah, idea. Basically. Yeah. I felt like I needed to ask a number of times. But um but no, yeah, it's all good. Well yeah, congratulations. Yes, Thank congratulations, you. Congratulations, I'm, mate. I'm slightly concerned about what's gonna happen after this episode. What what can you possibly do? Yeah, the money laundering scheme's gonna have to uh, go <laughs> elsewhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you you know, you've driven here and you've you've brought your fiance along with you as well. Rubbing it in our faces. We need, to, <laughs> we need to step up our game. Um, how did you get on with last episode's homework then? A reminder, it was to go to your spot, listeners, uh, your spot in nature. If you don't know what we're talking about, you can either listen back to the first few episodes. Or basically, to recap, it was to find a particular spot in nature that you liked to be in um, and then the updated version of that homework the advancement on it was to go to your spot and to really listen and to see what you could hear and engage with the sounds so how did you get on Rob? Yeah good so I've been back to the log um, yeah a few times over the last couple of weeks did you propose at the log? No no, no. <laughs> opportunity it, missed exactly <laughs> no it could have been a potential spot but then I thought do you want to ruin it? exactly in case anything <laughs> went wrong I don't want to ruin the log <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, so I've been back a few times. Um, yeah, and just been going back, closing my eyes and sort of taking in what I could hear. Um, and it is mainly birdsong, I'd say. Like I say, there's not much noise pollution there. Um, and in the way of nature, like I haven't, there are cows over the field, but don't get much out of them. And um, so, yeah, for the most part, it's birdsong. So I've just been trying to just distinguish between them not trying to identify them because obviously I'm not going to be able to do that without the likes of Johnny Boy um but um just going to see if I could notice different bird songs like what the different patterns are if I could then go back in the future and try and um recognize them from the previous visit and the rest um yeah it's interesting like I've noticed that the the bird song between birds varies massively doesn't it and mm-hmm. every like from such simple like tweets really to mm. quite complex long strings of varying sequences and I thought that yeah. was quite interesting yeah. so I was trying to think in my head like what could they be saying but yeah I don't know <laughs> well no it's a, it's a good point because I mean they birds do make calls as well as um, actual songs so in in very basic terms a song is usually designed either to mark a territory out um, 
or to sort of woo an individual. So it's it's uh, trying to find a mate, which of course that that sort of thing starts around about February for most of our songbirds, and uh, the male birds will sing just in order to try to uh, find a mate, and then. The next, the next thing is basically to keep the males of their own sex out, so they form a territory, and they will have regular song posts on the all around the outside of that territory, and they will use song to keep them away. Now, on top of that, throughout the year, most birds have got a series of calls, um, which could be designed as just communication calls. A lot that you might hear at the moment is calls between both the adult birds and the fledglings. Um, or, of course, they might be alarm calls, and so it might be if there's a predator about or something that's disturbing them. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you're right. You get different lengths of calls, completely different patterns. And of course, it varies hugely from species to species as well. And between male and female? If- yeah, most females don't sing at all, right. actually. Um, the females, they, they do have communication calls, and they certainly have alarm calls, um, but... No song. Right. Interesting. That's left to the males to... Did you have anything that you recorded that you wanted to ID? Yes, I do. we're very aware that a lot of people listening may go to their spot and not particularly be able to identify what they heard, but that's not really a point of it, is it? No. It's just to engage with it. And like you said, Rob, as well, to notice the difference between different calls as well. Um, but seeing as you're next to a nature expert, you might as well get the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, let me play this one. Let's see if this works then. Play it through your mic. Oh, nice. Yep. So that's the alarm call of a blackbird. Oh, and in the background there was a magpie clattering away. But yeah, that's the blackbird. And that is the alarm call. It's called micking. And they'll often do it sort of collectively in the evening time. But that one sounds very much like it might have seen a cat or a fox or a weasel stoat, something like that. And basically, by doing that call, it's warning all the other birds that danger is potentially at foot. Hmm. Any other nature questions from your last couple of weeks, Robbie? I do. So I've got one really on behalf. Get used to saying that. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> i've um i've got one on behalf of my sister and best mate slash brother-in-law so they've moved recently and they've got a pond outside the first pond they've had um which has been fascinating in itself like just seeing what was coming and going and um each time i visit but they when they so they moved in january i can't remember if frog spawn was there right from the start but certainly after the first few visits frog spawn was there mm-hmm. and they after that they had loads and loads of tadpoles like the whole pond was filled with tadpoles that's now gone away but they do still have a small number of tadpoles and they're growing like the heads of them are quite big now when will they become frogs like what's the life span of a you know like from spawn to frog well yeah it's interesting i mean frogs will spawn it, it varies. It is quite weather dependent, but usually February, late, very late February, March. So that's when they'll actually spawn, and uh, the eggs usually, you know, they take a few, not very long, about a week to turn into the very small tadpoles that gradually eat all the jelly, 
and then they become free swimming. So they're eating the jelly around them? Yes. And that's how they grow? Yeah. And uh, they sort of eat their way out of it. And then when they become free swimming, or even before, I mean, anything that has a huge number of babies in nature generally loses a huge number of babies. So it's like a sort of survival technique. Um, And so you do lose an awful lot. And a lot of those tiny little tadpoles, they basically will just become fodder for things like newts, uh, dragonfly larvae especially, lots of um, uh, carnivorous insects, water boatmen, things like that. Uh, Sorry, pond skaters. Um, And... So an awful lot do get lost. Now, that sort of tends to thin them out. And you obviously, the ones that do survive have got plenty of food because they'll graze a lot um, on sort of algae to grow the tadpoles. But they will also graze on sort of detritus, dead animals and things like that. So they'll get uh, their nutrition and then they, they gradually lose their tail as the limbs start to grow. Now, that... Any, anyone or any eggs that are hatched sort of back in March, they should be little froglets and toadlets by now, fully formed. Really? Um, in fact, we, we found some this last weekend, literally the size of a, a penny piece. And uh, they're sort of darting around the place because they, they will leave water, um, especially if it's moist all, all around the place like it is at the moment. And... Uh, they, they will just continue to sort of hunt small invertebrates and such like and grow and then find somewhere to hibernate. So that's their bag. I would reckon um, in that particular pond, they might be seeing a late sort of spawning where the tadpoles haven't sort of fully developed yet. Uh, I know there are one or two rather nasty diseases around that sort of check the progress of tadpoles which can be really bad news because they literally you know fail to put, turn into adults i don't know an awful lot about the sort of disease side of it but um i just in following the sort of natural history press as it were people have noticed that sort of thing this this sort of random late development where you're thinking well you know we're in july now surely they should be up and ready which they should yeah, and that's what we thought. Like when yeah. we, I was there this weekend, and we were thinking, well, when are these actually going to turn mm. into frogs? Then yeah. one of my one of my tips would be just to find out more for yourself. Actually, go out after dark with a torch to your pond, and just shine the torch into the pond because you can see so much of what's going on, and it could be that you're because they're not seeing many tadpoles at all. It could be that actually. Is swarming with dragonfly larvae, damselfly larvae, and newts, all of which feed on tadpoles. Right. So it could be that you know there's there's a bit of an imbalance there, uh, and it's difficult to know what to do. I mean, if they if they only just move to the property, say in January, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting for them to see the numbers of adults that come back next late February to spawn, and if it's full of them you know, loads and loads of breeding frogs, then there's not a great issue. If there's not too many of them, it can do well to sort of like give the spawn a bit of a helping hand, you know, protect it from predation and maybe distribute it 
to other people who haven't got many in their haven't got much in their ponds. But of course, we we also like to see the um, the dragonflies and damselflies. And incidentally, if you've got a pond full of goldfish and such like, you you won't get any of the tadpoles survive unless it's a nice big pond. But the average garden pond, fish and invertebrates and tadpoles and such like don't mix. Right. So, mm. so. Best to have two ponds, really. One for fish and one for your sort of what you might call wildlife. I've just realised that frogs spawn. It's because frogs spawn yes. out of it. It is the spawn Did of you know that frogs. Ro- no, well, I'd never thought about <laughs> no, no, it. But no. So frogs spawn into a With great big... so much, aren't we? Yeah, we yeah. are, yeah, you see. Frog spawns in a great big lump of jelly of lots of, you know, thousands of individual eggs. Toad spawn is in a string. And they will literally string it around, you know, um, submersible plants and such like. And uh, they both grow in the same way, but um, completely different in sort of the laying format, if you like. I think we should do an episode on pond life. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. we did after we recorded the last episode, we just went outside and stared at your pond for a oh, while. Yeah, you saw a newt. I saw a, you newt. Saw a newt from yes. about five meters away. <laughs> you know, I was newt there. Uh, yeah. 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 That's it. Uh, that I love. Incredible. I love water and uh, ponds, lakes, reservoirs, rivers, streams. They're absolute magnets for wildlife. Even if you just got room for a half barrel pond, something like that, you'll get so much wildlife in it. If you'd like to be part of the Father Nature tribe, follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Father Nature HQ. You can also email us directly. Our address is FatherNatureHQ at gmail.com. Should we get started with this episode's topic then? Our summer grow your own. We're going to move on to what you guys can actually grow and how you can actually do it as well in the final part of the podcast. But first, we're going to start with why we should be doing it. Rob, at the moment, do you grow anything? Um, so I, in terms of like food, I don't really. But we did when we were in London. We had a, so we had like a, a tub outside which we were doing a load of... Um, herbs in we did some courgettes and we did i can't quite remember we did it we did we did we maximized i'd say what we could do in london and it was really good fun this year we haven't done as much just because we've had quite a lot going on with the house which are still trying to suss like where the sunspots are so i've got a load of plants inside really i've got a lot of house plants and we are we have planted bits outside but it's really it's plants that have been given to us so um yeah i would say we're not growing anything that we can eat which is definitely a goal for next year what benefits mm. do you get from your plants do you think you're quite into your house plants yeah it i i i can't quite describe it it's weird like i only really got into it in the last couple of years um and i think it really started like the people i work with my mates at work um they're quite into house plants and we would have plants at the desk and there was a there's a garden center just up the road and we on lunch we would quite often go in there and that sparked an interest really and yeah i don't i don't even know where i got my first house plant from i think from my previous job i i did actually get given one for free 
and just managed to keep it alive basically and I, and basically by neglecting it I wasn't interested in it and it stayed alive and I was like well, that's weird um, and so I don't know yeah it, it just it, my interest grew and grew and grew and it might have even started actually with bits that we were growing outside and actually taking that inside as well so um yeah, I've probably got over 20 plants now and they're all shapes wow. and sizes. And You managed to maintain them all? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, it's getting now, like, you, I have to, like, set some ty- uh, time aside to water them. And, like, it, it's like in the diary kind of thing, like watering <laughs> yeah. day or, like, fertilisation day kind of thing. Yeah. And um, But, no, I just really enjoy it. Like, they just have a calming effect, I think. Like, I'm looking mm. at one now and it's just it's nice to look at right and it just brings a bit of nature into the room yeah um mm. and i think yeah i started it in london maybe to bring a bit of nature in where like i say we were lucky to have a garden but um there wasn't much greenery in it so yeah I tried to bring it inside um and yeah i just absolutely loved it so i've continued it and like i say I've got plants in every room now so yeah brilliant so what other benefits for plants do you think there is then father before we move on to actual food well, I mean, I think Rob's made some really, really interesting point about sort of it doesn't need to be food. It doesn't need to, it just needs to be something that, I mean, basically you're increasing your connection to nature because in a, for want of a better word, you're building a relationship with a living thing. It is a yeah. living thing, a plant. And it's sort of kind of like, it can be ignored to a certain extent, but when they stay alive and then you're they're in your house and they are it's down to you what happens to them you see how they respond to care and attention and sort of uh you know supplying its very basic needs in in terms of water and nutrition and soil and such like and you think to yourself actually this this is something which we we, we all recognize that say buying things that are wrapped in plastic detaches you from let's say the the animal if it's meat but it's the same with plants and things like that you know if you get things in cans and tins and wrapped up stuff you're detached from the fact that that has come from a plant and was grown from a seed and was nurtured and grew grew into an actual plant and was harvested and then processed into your food product and so when you get the opportunity to bring something indoors and you actually watch it and you watch it from a young plant and it starts to grow and then it might throw a flower up and then of course that flower might turn into seeds and you're seeing that whole life cycle and so for for me it's it's a it's a no-brainer it's a connection to nature because then you you can apply that to pretty much every single plant shrub tree around you outside exactly the same way so um I can, and you, you learn so much more when you look closer. And again, you know, I apologise for that being such a sort of stupidly sort of like obvious thing to say. But if our default isn't to look closer, you miss out on things. And um, it's just sort of I love learning little facts. I can remember as a kid the first time I was told that peanuts grew underground. And I was like, no, but they're nuts. They they surely just grow on trees, and then no, they're not nuts either. They're legumes, and they grow underground, and they're quite like a potato. You think I didn't know well, that? I didn't know that either. And I didn't know Is that. Exclusive, exclusive to the peanut, or uh, 
What, what do you mean exclusive? Well, I mean, does that's the cashew nut grow underground, or I don't know about cashews. So that mm. that will be my homework for the week. Find <laughs> 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 out how cashews are. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, it's a, and it is interesting. And um, so, so hang on, it's just one. You get one peanut. No, it's like a whole cluster of them underneath the plant. A bit like if you dig up potatoes. Oh, so you pull up the root and then there's yes. X amount of peanuts. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And they're all in their own little sort of like container. All right. <laughs> yeah. In real terms, we just think of it as food, but in the peanut terms, that's the seeds. That's the next generation. Where do dry roasted peanuts grow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can answer that one. Lots <laughs> of countries, lots yeah. of climates. Yeah. <laughs> Is growing your own something that has been done for a while? Well, I think if we go right back, um, this is, as you know, my, my big fascination is sort of like things that have become almost instinctive to mankind and therefore therapeutic and therefore um, dangerous if we don't get hold of the whole growing thing. Of course, mankind was thought to be almost completely nomadic for sort of like millions of years. And so we would have been basically hunter-gatherers. Now, on learning that we can grow and rear, we could settle and we could form communities. So, you know, that's been sort of going back sort of you know way beyond sort of iron age but particularly in iron age times that they had bigger communities and they started to improve plant varieties by selective breeding uh, which is pretty amazing that's been going on well ever since and in the sort of late 16th and 17th century probably i mean certainly britain and northern europe were at the forefront of plant breeding in the world producing different varieties everything from sort of apples and potatoes uh right through to the various vegetables that were being sort of discovered around the world and brought to us and breeding varieties that were best for our soils and uh, extended the season so like for example with potatoes it's a south american plant but since then, we've sort of managed to devise species, uh, breed types, hybrids, if you like. So we get early crop potatoes, we get first earlies, we get second earlies, and we get main crop. And that extends your season right through. You get apples of sort of, and also farm animals, of course, that suit nearly every county in the country. Um, so they're sort of designed to do well on certain soils. And then if you want to move it forward, the, the next really big, I suppose, effort for Grow Your Own was in the Dig for Victory uh, following the war, or even during the war years, where football pitches and sports pitches all over the place were dug up to grow vegetables. Hmm. And uh, seems like sacrilege, I know, but everyone was digging for victory and it was a, a huge thing. And of course, a very healthy thing. People really got involved, you know, the townsfolk and such like. They suddenly had access to allotments and such like. And they were growing everything they could, to ostensibly to support the war effort. But of course, having got that habit, I think sort of it became quite mainstream for a lot of people. And uh, and I think 
really has done since. Although I, I think there's been more of a resurgence in it in the last sort of 15, 20 years again. Because I think people are very aware that we've slipped into a sort of processed sort of age and people are getting a little bit more suspicious about the processing sort of industry and such like and they want to get something that's sort of a bit more pure natural and of course born out of their own effort you know they always say that stuff that you grow yourself will always taste better than something somebody else grew because it's your blood sweat and tears that have gone into it (laughs) yeah and we'll get on to what you can actually grow in the next part but Mm. just want to go back to plants then because we've touched a lot on food in particular but the actual benefits to your health of having plants in the home as well yeah well as as rob said they're they're very therapeutic sort of um they provide a sort of atmosphere which is much more relaxing i know that sort of like there's been some quite um complex uh experiments where places like prisons and um psychiatric homes and such like they've been sort of decked out with a lot of plants and people automatically feel calmer um there's also the slight sort of if you want to call it the chemical side of things because plants will actually uh change the atmosphere of the air so they have a cleansing effect and you know so many of our sort of houses that they tend to be a little bit hermetically sealed these days all the windows are shut and uh there's sort of like cleaning chemicals around the place and this sort of thing if you've got things like uh spider plants um you're looking up there at the peace lily um things like ivies they're all very good at purifying the air and of course they release um oxygen and taking carbon dioxide taking carbon dioxide yeah so so if you are living in london for example mm. where there are well there's pollution issues everywhere but let's say Mm. particularly london and if you were worried about the air in your home one potentially small step but one step could be to increase the number of houseplants you have and purify your air yeah i mean i think as you say it's a small step but that doesn't mean it's insignificant and um i think it's uh it's important because it's almost a step that you've acknowledged that you can take an action which is actually really interesting to take it's not like it's a bind to do um you're developing an interest in plants and uh at the end of the day you know every every sort of you know food chain on earth depends on plants at the you know beginning and uh so it's hugely important that we do sort of acknowledge that and i think also the the lovely thing about the indoor environment is you can really find out what actually turns you on as a plant lover um it could be i mean when i was growing up i just remember thinking i love succulents and cacti and i was i was always sort of like nicking little buds and cuttings when i used to visit anywhere with a, a greenhouse and have them growing um I've got a good friend who's just moved house and one of the absolute paramount things about her new house was that she should be able to house her wonderful orchid collection because she's absolutely passionate about orchids. 
And uh, for other people, it might be something like ferns or people might like flowers and geraniums. It's, there's something for everybody. And, you know, if you've got a windowsill, you've got a place to grow plants. Mm. Have you found that, Rob? Have you found you're attached to certain plants? It's funny. That Do you have you, a favourite? Um, I have one that I'm most attached to just because I feel like I really have had to nurture it. And it was because I initially like took it to the brink of death and I have brought it back. But it was a fern. So it was one that was given to us as a housewarming gift. We had three little plants uh, yeah, sent to us. Um, and I just sort of stuck them on a shelf in the in the lounge um, but yeah, one of them was a fern, but all of them were from like sort of like South America, so quite like tropical environment, like like humid um, environment, like a lot of moisture and all of that. Which, well, we moved in in November and they were a housewarming gift. So over the winter months, I didn't really get anything where I'd stuck them, and um, so I went to go and look at them sort of one day, and I could see that it was basically like crispy and like just oh, didn't dear. look very healthy <laughs> at all. And I'd, but there was like two or maybe three sort of sprouts that looked healthy, and I was like. I wonder if I can salvage this. So I've moved the fern to my desk, which is on the, which is upstairs, and that's the hottest room of the house because it's got it's in the loft and it's always really warm in there. So I've moved it and um, I've got like a little spritzer right yes. by, just right, right by it, which is where it works. So I knew like if I put it right in front of me where I am five days a week, I won't forget to sort of tend to it. And yeah, now I'll show you before and afters. It's like now it's like a full really? bushy fern, and it's Fantastic. like I've now taken the big step in the last couple of weeks to move it away from the desk oh, wow. so I'm trying, I've like let go now yeah. um, but but that like was probably the best example that I've had of like actually recognising that you get like a response from your plant mm-hmm. don't you and like yeah. your the way in which you care for it has such a huge impact on like how healthy it is and actually it was so rewarding over for you yeah, from yeah such, and, it, and it wasn't like overnight like it took like, like I say I literally moved it in the last couple of weeks so mm. probably over the last six months like every day spritzing it like checking on it like been fertilising it watching the new sprouts come up like deadheading it and all the rest and yeah. like but that has now made me conscious to like make sure that because what I didn't do was when I, when I got that plant was properly inspect it mm. so that I knew what it looked like when it was healthy. Yes. So that when I went back to it and say actually well, some of the leaves are yellow or crispy or whatever, that I was doing something wrong. And so now I've learned from that, like okay, well when I get a plant and it's at its healthiest point, because <laughs> then it goes downhill when it comes into my house, <laughs> um, then yeah, properly take it in and then you know just spend more time looking at them over you know more frequently and just seeing what changes and you can sort of react to that and i i think that reaction's quite a primal and almost unconscious one rob that you sort of if your life was dependent on growing or if your community's sort of like welfare was dependent on a crop surviving you're going to look with that sort of detail Mm. and you're going to get that hit when you sort of think yes you know it's looking good it's sprouting it's look at the fruits coming yes they're being pollinated and you you're seeing a it's a different relationship isn't it i know it's yeah. all, it almost seems like too too bigger a word to put on it but um for me this this is the sort of nature connection relationship that is it's with everything that makes a sort of planet tick in yeah. a funny sort of way and it, you can do it on the windowsill 
and once you're invested in it like you care about it more don't you because it's yes. like now I've moved it into our bedroom which is the other side of, like it faces a completely different direction so it's mm. going to get a lot of different sun now mm. and so I'm now conscious like I'm looking at it every day being like I don't know if I moved it to a spot where it's going to go back to, to you're looking like, a bit pale dear yeah exactly <laughs> does Liv know this is a three way marriage <laughs> she doesn't you her yeah. and Fern Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell is Fern yeah but, um, no it's um no it's been awesome like i say and it's just it's just time away from the screen isn't it like and that's not exclusive to houseplants we've said it in previous episodes about just the garden but like yeah. it's just for me it's it doesn't matter what i'm doing whether i'm watering them deadheading them just looking at them whatever i'm not on my phone or i'm not watching tv and and that is just you know that's good for me definitely Our podcast is the perfect start as you seek a deeper connection with the natural world. But why not take it one step further? If you're liking what you're hearing from Father Nature, why not book a day with our resident nature expert, Johnny Taylor? Whether it's one-to-one, group sessions, or a corporate day to enhance your staff's well-being, we have all elements of nature connection covered. Guided walks, firelighting, foraging, bushcraft are just some examples of what we offer. We will tailor the day to suit your needs. Just email us at fathernaturehq at gmail.com or send us a message on our social media accounts at fathernaturehq to let us know you're interested and we'll get straight back in touch. Our listeners now know why they should be growing their own and they're desperate to know what and how to do it. So let's cover fruit and veg, herbs, plants and flowers in this part so a few suggestions for each please father nature uh, we'll start with let's start with fruit and veg uh, okay. i think it's what people think about perhaps most with grow your own particularly veg i would say yes so, uh, probably is and, what would um, you say if they could go out and we're in july now if they could listen to this and plant something either in a small patch of a garden or perhaps on a sill or something yeah what would you go for okay so i think here there is with fruit and veg you do get a bit of a difference between uh people lucky enough to have a garden or allotment and those who might not have okay we'll cover both so yeah so and it's a bit of a lightning tour because obviously you know there's this huge number of sort of books and channels entirely devoted this it's a vast thing so first of all think about what you like and uh, because, you know, it's not worth putting a lot of time and effort into growing something which you don't like. You know, we've, we've covered this already with sort of like houseplants. But I would say um, this time of year, because we're quite late in the growing season, because things obviously take time to fruit and uh, then to either set seed or to, um, sorry, to flower and then uh, set seed or to fruit. So... It's a good time if you go along to sort of like garden sales and things like that. Things like we mentioned courgettes. If you've got a patch of sort of earth, a courgette will take up quite a bit of space, but it will yield you quite a lot of um, good fruits. That's nice and easy. Mm. Um, Good yield. Yeah, relatively um, uh, sort of free of diseases and things like that as well. Um, Other vegetables, which I think are just good fun and quite quick and easy um carrots get a variety which is sort of a, a fairly small carrot because they just 
crop easily. I've I've grown some much smaller ones. I can't even remember what they're called now, but they only get to about the size of your thumb, and they're ready. And I've done it purely because it is a short season. Uh, I love um, French beans. I think they're a great choice. They've got pretty flowers on them. You can either get the dwarf beans or you can get climbing French beans. It's just starting to get a tiny bit late. I mean, it's still worth sowing some because um, it all depends on what sort of a autumn we have. But it's getting a tiny bit late for them. Um, but things that you can grow successionally things like radishes are nice and easy any of your salad crops um as far as all the different things like um the different types of lettuce and rocket and uh all those sort of green leafy things they have a quick turnaround so they're quick and easy to grow you might get yourself a few slug issues if you're growing them outside so that can be a bit bit difficult um, if we move to the indoor market, I've actually preempted this one slightly because I've got these two. What have we got here? Little beauties. So there's there's one each for you here. Ah, now, uh-huh. are these for us? Yes. Ah, excellent. And Pass me mine, please, Rob. These a few weeks are, off a of salad, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> these are capsicums or sweet peppers, and uh, you can literally grow them if you just. You know, buy a sweet pepper. Or almost identically, you can do chili peppers. Um, so sorry, what, what is this then? This is going to sweet be, pepper. These will be peppers. Peppers, yeah. Just, just for our listeners, we have Rob and I have both received a plant um, which is just basically a stem with a few lovely green leaves on, but it resembles not a pepper. Um, how will this become a pepper? Right, so... And we'll put it on our Instagram so you can see what we've yes, been given. If you nurture it and you keep it well, plenty of sunlight, plenty of um, moisture, and actually a little bit of feed, so houseplant food, uh, because obviously it's going to fill that uh, uh, pot up with root fairly quickly. And in a couple of weeks' time, you might see the first flowers appearing on it. And each of those flowers will potentially turn into a pepper. So what point Simple do we plant this in the ground? Straight away? You or? can keep that on your windowsill. Oh, really? Your indoors. Yeah. So oh. They don't be green peppers, are they? Because I don't like the green ones. I like every other flavour. I think I... This was a gift. I took the... Yes. <laughs> and, well, actually, they, I think they're a type. Um, I got all my seeds mixed up. But they're actually a yellow pepper. Oh, good. And they're a citrus hot pepper mm. so it like should yellow. be really interesting they're from the lovely real seed company um who deserve a plug they're a great organization uh they they look after our heritage seeds and uh so they're from their collection and again sort of the time is of the essence with these guys they they don't want to be held back at all so put them in the best sort of conditions you can get loads of sunlight i.e. the sunniest windowsill okay and uh give them a little drink every day don't let the compost dry out and lo and behold you will have um flowers literally i would say in a couple of weeks time wow so just remind our listeners then if they want to grow this indoors what is it that they go and buy uh well they can be called sweet peppers or some people call them capsicums 
Oh, there's a, there's a whole variety of things like jalapeno peppers or the chili peppers. Uh, they all grow very. They're very similar plants, um, and it's a little bit too late for things. Well, yeah, I think it is a bit too late. If you had a greenhouse, you might catch up. But things like um, uh, aubergines are quite a good thing to grow. Obviously, tomatoes. Now, of course. I'm overlooking the fact that you don't need to start from seed. Um, if you literally go to your garden centre, you can buy yourself um, chilli peppers, capsicums, uh, aubergines, and then you've managed to buy yourself the, the sort of, you know, three or four weeks that they took to grow. And, of course, you can get varieties of tomatoes that will do okay either indoors or on a balcony or something you get some like uh which don't need to grow too tall they they sort of like a patio tomato and they grow more bush style and produce you know dozens of little fruits but even if they don't it's still that fun of growing it seeing the flowers and seeing the fruit start to set it could be that if we don't have the best summer in the world you end up with green tomato chutney instead of a nice load of salads but again what what i'm sort of like into is just the idea of thinking well a this is probably quite close to several wild forms of chili pepper and that would grow in the wild somewhere in the world and you know it's up to the listener to if they're interested to research that sort of thing and uh us humans have sought to take advantage of it for either taste or for medicinal qualities or probably both and uh, then we've learnt to breed certain varieties for certain situations and hey presto there you go excellent so yeah we will charge our growth uh, of these on our Instagram as well Um, another thing's for indoors um, as I say it's such a vast subject it would be silly to try and spend too much time on it but think about things like taking the stones out of your if you buy things like um, uh, avocado well I was going to come on to avocado but um, dates and um, yes dates have a nice long stone in if you can get get a load of them put them in some damp peat put it in a plastic bag and just pop it in the airing cupboard for a month and then when you check it they'll probably have started to shoot and they will grow into date palms so they're quite nice but as you've sort of mentioned avocado well here was my other gift ah wow (laughs) all the treats so wow avocados for me are huge fun okay for and the benefit of the listener we have just been um, given some well, well this looks like the stone of an avocado yeah with a sprout yes. the sprout of an avocado so yeah literally again take the um, the great big stone out of an avocado or wait till you've got half a dozen put them in some damp peat in a plastic bag in the um uh, airing cupboard because that speeds it on a bit you can just literally pop them on into peat but i find that they they do take quite a while and they they can t- sort of dry out a bit is peat different uh, to soil i actually uh, it's a good point because we're very much trying not to use peat for environmental le- reasons at the moment what what i should try and get in the habit of saying is peat free compost 
always available from your um, local garden centres. Uh, Peatlands have been pretty much sort of done now as far as the extraction process goes. So what we've got left is quite important for to preserve for the environment. And uh, so peat is basically out of favour at the moment, um, and rightly so, especially as they've developed various things like made from coir, which is the sort of like rough bits off of uh, coconuts and such like. And you do need to feed plants like this. Uh, and again, you just get a, a general purpose feed. If it's something that's going to flower a lot, you get a tomato feed. And uh, that will encourage loads of flowers and the, the setting of the um, fruit. So, but with the avocado, it was a funny thing because they, they, I had a few shoot and I thought, yes, we'll, we'll get them growing. And they're always pretty, but they will serve pretty much as a perennial plant, unlike things like tomatoes. Which means? Um, perennial means it will go on year after year. Um, your annuals are things that will grow, give you a quick crop, and then they die. So you use their seed to plant the next crop. Uh, some of the chilli peppers will go on year after year. I have had some success with them. But with avocados, it made me think, well, OK, let's do the, the sort of connection with nature, sort of inquiring mind thing on it. So here we've got two lovely avocado things. And then you think to yourself, well, which country produces the most avocados in the world? So any ideas? Um, hmm interesting yeah it's a good one isn't that I would just go with America yeah I was going to say America yeah so well South America certainly Um, but actually just to to buck what I've just said um, there is an avocado belt in Mexico Mm. that provides the majority of avocados Um, and Another name for it is the alligator pear. For for an avocado? Yeah, for avocado. An alligator pear. Um, Next time we're in Morrison's or Waitrose then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Where do you keep your alligator pears? (laughs) (laughs) You'll get a funny old look. So these plants, if you kept them for five years under good conditions, they might start to give you fruit. How long? Five years. Five years. Yeah. We, wait, we've got to wait five years for the fruit. So keep checking Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <For> progress. <laughs> Blimey. Okay. So pro- presumably not for the peppers. Five oh years. no, the, no. the peppers. You you should. I would hope you would have the first flowers in a couple of weeks. Okay, but f- to grow an avocado, it'll yeah. be a bit longer than that. If it was in a commercial, if it was being grown commercially, they start taking the fruit off five-year-old trees. Wow. But there again, you know, you can keep them alive, and that would be a fantastic house plant and that yeah. an avocado tree yeah. in your front lawn. Okay, cool. Um, so, um, just because we've got a lot to get through, yes. so very briefly, how, if someone goes out and buys one, how do they look after it? I mean, let's say they put it in some peat free compost, yeah. then it's simple as regular water, um, sunlight, and. A little bit of food, did you suggest? Yes, I mean, the things I only feed sort of weekly, and it's, to be honest, because if I didn't do it weekly, 
I'd forget. And you can um, get that from garden centres. Yes, yeah, just just in um, any garden centre, and it's just a, a, a little pot of brown fluid that you just dilute. A lot of people make their own from things like comfrey and such like, but that's that's quite a lot of hassle. Um, and I think you, you, if you err on the side of very slightly underwatering most plants rather than over, because if you overwater a lot of them, that they will they will look like they've been underwater because they wilt and then the leaves drop off and right. they start to rot don't yeah, they yeah they'll rot yeah, okay. so, so how often do you water well it depends like you, you can get all this information presumably when you go out and pick your fruit or veg or plant it will give you instructions won't it? oh yeah yeah if, you, so if you're buying a house plant about it. if you're buying a house plant from um obviously a shop it'll have a tag in it that yeah. tells you because of course if you put some things that aren't sun lovers on a south-facing windowsill, they're going to, you know, curl up and die. If you put things like cacti on a north-facing windowsill, they're going to go leggy because they're going to strain for light. So think about... This is one of the things I said about sort of where do avocados grow? And, like, I'd say, OK, think about where cactus grow. So cactus is going to grow in a desert... So they're going to need watering infrequently, but probably very thoroughly when you do water them. And it's a good time if you see flower buds on a cactus. I've got one. Well, unfortunately, it's outside now. Uh, but it's as soon as the flower buds appear on it, I really soaked it. And then we had a massive display of flowers. But then you can leave it to... I wouldn't say dry right out, but pretty much dry out, because that's what it is adapted to do. The same with succulents, you know, they they are full of water. If you get something a little bit delicate like your fern... Oh, she's delicate. She's delicate. (laughs) So put her in the sun for too long and she's going to shrivel. Right, fruit. Have you covered that? Or do you want to add any more? Because uh, is an avocado a fruit? An avocado, I think, is considered a fruit. Because yes. it's got a seed. Yes, and tomatoes are considered a fruit. Yeah. So did you want to uh, add anything else to that? Or Well, I would... Again, it depends what you like. If you've got just a tub situation, um, like a, or a small patio, or maybe a balcony, um, strawberries very good. Uh you can get things like um, gooseberries, which grow into a, quite a small bush, uh, red currants, uh, but they will get sort of a bit bigger, but they are perennial, which means that once you've got them, if you prune them right, they're, they're there year in, year out. But if you never use red currants and you never use black currants and you never use gooseberries, don't grow them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, Give give them over to some room. You can get if you've got a smallish garden, and you don't have room for trees. You can get um, these varieties. I think they're called espalier, and they grow laterally, just along wires. So they're like a creeper. So if you've just got a fence around your garden, rather than put something sort of not useful there, just you know grow some fruit trees along it. Right, herbs. Or herbs, as herbs. some people pronounce it. Yes. Well, I call Poops. herbs. Poops. Some people don't they? They, they call them herbs. herbs. Yes, yeah. I don't. Is know that why. a thing? Or well, I'm English very old-fashioned. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Herbs. Herbs. Um, herbs. I think. Are... <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to win this one, are we? <laughs> okay. Herbs. 
Maybe it's because the 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 sort of some of our foreign friends use herbs so much more effectively than we do. Mm. I don't know, but they're one of my favourites to grow. Not only because they are the tastiest and you know probably medicinally the most useful, but also they tend to be really good for wildlife, like really good for wildlife. And we haven't quite touched on this. Grow things in your garden, the whole grow your own holistically isn't just for us. It's for the other things we want to see on our patch. Um, and if you grow things like um, marjoram and thyme and rosemary and lavender, you will get bountiful numbers of insects coming in for the um, nectar and also they're all perennial so they'll come up year after year and also they will tend to spread a bit some like rosemary and um, uh, lavender if you keep them cut back a bit they will stay fresh but there again when you get a load of flowers from them you're likely to want to sort of like take that fragrance indoors anyway and you're going to use them as part of your cooking so you keep clipping them back um there's dozens and dozens of types of herbs all of which i think just stick them in and grow them because they're great and some of the like that is like the easiest way to start because i think that's when um when we did it in london like we went out because some some herbs you can buy like pre-potted can't you like basil all the rest all of them yeah i never even thought of it but just plant them and like that's and so we had an awesome like herb bath kind of thing yes last year and um yeah i really miss it because i love cooking with it and like like the fresh rosemary the basil yeah Yeah. so nice and the rosemary seemed to be like bulletproof like all year round the rosemary was fine as long as it's not got its feet in water all the time it does like a bit of drainage yeah um but it makes it you know likewise if you're growing on a smaller scale or if you're on a, a, a patio or something like that you can you can sort of like tailor make the whole thing that is growing in because you've got a container where where we are now we're on thick thick clay and uh so it's not suitable for some things but just get a darn great yeah. big tub and yeah fill that's it up exactly with what we free heard. draining stuff yeah and uh yeah it'll keep you going for for years and years and years but then you've got the the satisfaction of just sitting out on the patio just listening to the hum of bees and hoverflies and such like all clamoring for that nectar and it doesn't so, like they don't infect or damage the plants or no like i mean you you there, there are obviously a few pest species that you might get i mean things like aphids can be a nuisance on things but it depends how fussy you are i eat aphids what isn't, what's an aphid it's like green fly or black fly right um they're sap sucking insects and they're actually really interesting insects um Did you just say you eat them I, I would eat them very happily. Yeah, I'd, but I'd, I wouldn't pick them off of the plants that I'm eating. And uh, I'm not saying that after 27 years, I'm going to reveal to you that you've been eating aphids for 27 years. But well, you we might just well have, have been. a salad for dinner from your garden. <laughs> How many aphids have I eaten? I'm so full. <laughs> Is this an aphid on my sweet pepper? Uh, Let Dad eat it, and then he'll be able to <laughs> idea. It tastes like sweet pepper. <laughs> This thing here. Yes, Rob has got a green fly. I've identified my first yes, aphid. Yes. So there you go. 
Um, currently running away from. He's currently <laughs> running away. Yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, that just shows how organic we are. Mm. <laughs> right, house plants starter kit, and because there's so much that you can go out and get for house plants, yeah. it, it could probably be quite overwhelming. Rob, you're up to twenty now. Um, I've got one. I got a ficus benjamina, which I really like, yeah. gifted to me by Rach a couple of years ago, and really cool plant. I would recommend that. Um, it does different things night and day as well. Closes up yes. and opens up, which I yeah. like. Um, so that's a good one from me. What else do you think, Father? The two things that it depends on is what can you offer in the way of conditions? And what do you like? Orchids are probably second to none for flower. Just incredible. Um, I would say... For longevity and what I would call real value for money, some of the geraniums and pelagoniums, they grow beautifully inside. There's masses of variety. If you keep them clipped back, they will flower every month of the year. And that for me is something that I would find personally really uplifting. You know, you got something on a a dark old February morning that's in flower. That's going to lift your spirits. I said about, I mean, I've got... um, an aspidistra plant which is actually an heirloom it was my grandmother's and so we inherited that from her probably you know i don't know 30 years ago that's still going and that's kind of a a great plant because it's almost sort of like an inappropriate place where it grows because it seems so dark and dingy but the aspidistra plant loves it there i would also say Think back to what you loved as a kid and have a go at things like that. We've already talked about avocados, but you can grow pips and seeds of just about anything and grow things like cress and grow things like... That's a uh, classic, isn't it? Yeah, cress cress is just so quick and easy. Um, Grow these things like sort of um, runner beans and things like that so that you can actually see them sort of throw the, the root down and the shoot up so you can actually watch it work. Um, and have a go at taking cuttings. Yeah. That's another thing that is just so satisfying. You know, when you visit to someone else's house, take a pen knife with you <laughs> <laughs> and just slash away at their plants. Take a bag full home and uh, see if you can get them to come on as cuttings because that's such a satisfying thing to do. So how did you do that? Well... So basically take a leaf or some some will grow from leaf cuttings streptocarpus is a really one that we used to keep a lot of uh from leaf cuttings some begonias will take from leaf cuttings uh but if it were things like we've mentioned already uh geraniums you just cut a non-flowering shoot and uh with a sharp knife and then you reduce the number of leaves down to just the top two and you just pop it into our peat-free compost, give it a water, not too much, and let it do its stuff. I've got a snake plant, which I think is prime for propagating. Like it's got mm. a, um, a shoot that's quite clearly like detached from the main body. That's like a succulent, isn't yeah. it? Yes, yeah. yes. I think it's either a succulent or a cacti, Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. But, but that's like what I would say about houseplants is like, it depends how like how much you want, time you want to invest into it because some are really high maintenance and yes. some like you can just stick on a, set, a shelf yeah. and neglect. So I think 
that's something to think about as well and um like and obviously as john said like the conditions you can offer in the sunlight and that some don't need any sunlight at all no. like saying that this the snake plant doesn't need any much sunlight at all so maybe it's not cacti but um that's tall and pointed yeah, isn't it yes that's I know. it and um yeah but so that's like it's i was like i started small and just keeping something alive like gave me you know a good buzz so i just think now i'm getting into your ferns your high maintenance yes yeah um pieces so yeah i think start small and safe because some of them can be expensive like you can go to yes. it like we've spent quite a bit of money and actually it was a gift like we've spent quite a bit of money on a calathea which um like or like a prayer plant it's quite which again tropical you know comes from a tropical place yeah. we stuck it in uh the flat and it was a really open quite big space in the flat and so it just like wilted quite quickly and, and it was just like actually that's quite a lot of money just to have, yeah and yeah. now having like with what i know now i'd have done something different with it but mm. You know, I was just attracted to the way it looked but yes. without thinking about like, can I actually keep this yeah. thing alive? Yeah. And I couldn't. And yeah, and then it's like, yeah, maybe not the best investment. But I'd say with houseplants, just start small and start safe. And yes. go from there. And also just play with things. Again, you know, sometimes you look at what you've got sort of in your vegetable rack and it's throwing some shoots out and things like your stem ginger. Mm. And you, see, you think, blimey, that's starting to grow. Well, put it into some fairly dryish soil and grow a ginger plant. You know, I've grown them fairly successfully. They always seem to end up dying off. I think I overwater them, but they're fascinating whilst they are growing. And the other things, things like, you know, uh, potatoes or sweet potatoes. I mean, if you've never seen a sweet potato plant, well, just grow one. You know, it might not give you a crop, but it will certainly give you a plant that you can sort of, you know, get that connection with and think, well, I know what a sweet potato plant looks like now. And you, you need to get your compass out as well. And you've got compasses on your phone and learn which windows are getting the sunlight. Yes. I mean, you could just look out and see where the sun is on a good day. Yes. I mean, basically, if it really enjoys south facing a, a plant that enjoys south facing won't enjoy north and vice versa um a lot of plants are fairly hardy if they can just get a few hours of sunlight a day they, they'll do all right um another thing that's quite quite fun to do is just grow a tray to start with of like bird food because there's they're, they're all a mixed seed and they're untreated so they're all viable um and just see what comes up underneath our bird feeder out there we've got all sorts coming up you know some of it's thistle and some of it is like um different grains so oats and such like and uh, they all look pretty if you're enjoying the father nature podcast we'd really appreciate it if you do three simple things for us leave us a nice review recommend us to a friend and hit the subscribe button all three things really help us to reach more people. So that's review, recommend, subscribe. Thank you. Let's get on to this episode's homework then, John. Okay. What have we got? Right. So tying in very much with what we're talking about today, um, I'd like everyone to return to their go-to area for Nature Connection and... Have a really close look this time at the plants. 
Now, in the exactly the same way that you're talking about not necessarily knowing the bird song, but listening to it, you don't need to know what the plants are. I just like people to take a closer look at them and see what stage of growth they're at. You're going to get some things which are still very vegetative and you're going to get some things which might be full, full of flower um, and you might get some things which are full of seed already. And if you watch these plants for a while, you might see something about them that particularly draws you to them. It might be the beauty of the the seed. It might be the flower. It might be the insects that are visiting them. But if you get the opportunity, I'd like you to collect some of the seed, if there's something there that's seeded, and take it home and just sew it in a, a pot any tips to id these things for people that, that don't know it already like books uh well yeah but i mean books there's quite if it is in flower there's quite a few apps that are um are, are quite relevant now and quite easy to use you just take a photo of it and um it will it will come up uh or just literally you know ask around take a photo so there's quite a few sort of like websites with forums on you know wildflower websites and uh and it could be that it's just something which again my the the biggest and most important thing is that you're drawn to it in some way you've got to sort of like it you've got to like the fact that it's attracting insects whatever you like really so that's the homework it might be something you want to you fancy taking a cutting of um a beautiful honeysuckle, for example. Honeysuckle's in flower now. That will take from cuttings. And uh, so it's worth, you know, taking a dozen cuttings and seeing if you can get one to take root. And then you can grow that somewhere in the garden. Mm. Wow. Very good. Well, looking forward to it. Let's see what you come up with, Rob. Okay. Well, that is our summer grow your own episode. The last word this week. Here you go, gents. It's by Henry David Thoreau, I believe, an American naturalist. Live in each season as it passes, breathe the air, drink the drink, taste the fruit, and resign yourself to the influence of the earth. And that is what we shall do in five years' time with our avocados. (laughs) Words of wisdom, I say. Right, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you, Father, for all of that knowledge. Um, Do let us know what you grow as well. We want to, we want to see what you go out and get, how you're progressing. So send us photos, either email us or straight to our Instagram account. We really want to see it and document it. We'll stick it up on the account, and uh, we just want to hear about your experiences as well. So do let us know. And we'll see you for the next episode in a couple of weeks' time.